Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she reboots her booty call whenever she's bored. It's my sister, Marissa. (laughs) Just gotta pull that plunger, baby. (laughs) And you know, you get Zooks in a, in like a really snappy tux, so maybe it's not so bad. Yeah, look, I'll take it. Me too. I was like, hello. <laughs> so we are talking about uh, this latest episode of The Good Place, uh, season three, episode 11. Cheaty sees the time knife. Which is a very interesting title for this episode. But before we get to the recap, um, a little bit of housekeeping up front. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Uh, please rate and review us uh, as, you know, the we enter the tail end of the third season. We would love to have more people on for when we discuss, or more people listening for when we discuss the finale. Cause it's probably going to be a doozy. I know. What are we going to do? You can also follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group called the good play Twitter. You can get at us at the good play pod. And Marissa does the live tweets for the new episodes every week. And you can email us at the good play pod at gmail.com. So I don't think we have any emails this week. Yeah, more emails. Your email game. I demand emails. Kate texted me. I I put her. I put what she texted me in our show notes, so we can get to that in a sec. But well, thank goodness. Thank goodness we've got something. Yes. So Chidi sees the time knife. This episode is very plotty. It's a lot Mm -hmm. of plot. Yes. It's not like last week where it was a lot of character stuff. This week is very like go 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 plot 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 so it's kind of yeah. a lot i don't know i'll try to be as brief as i can be but it i think it's gonna be mm, a lot of detail yeah so uh we left them last week with michael turning himself into the judge and saying that he's gonna basically they have a detente they're gonna meet at the interdimensional hole of pancakes and no there's no time for Chidi to change out of his mailman uniform <laughs> <laughs> which thank you everybody involved in that decision <laughs> Thank you so much. So they Judge Jen would thank you too. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's Judge Jen and I have a very similar tastes in men apparently. So they they all go to the IHOP. Uh, Chidi doesn't want to go, so Michael pushes him in, <laughs> which is great. And yeah, so they all show up there, and <laughs> Michael says, "If you eat anything in this IHOP, you will literally explode." And Jason goes, "I know, it's IHOP." Then he and Eleanor high five. Which, Which like... I loved. I was like, this little <laughs> trash bag high five for a second. Like, they both know kind of where they come you know, from. When we were growing up, I don't know if you remember this, Brianna. When we were growing up, we were not allowed to go to the IHOP because one time we went and mom allegedly had, like, a stomach thing afterwards. And so we were banned oh, no. from IHOP. You don't remember this, do you? Like, I used to ask to go to IHOP and mom and dad were like, absolutely not. <laughs> That that place is not on our permitted list. We can only go to Friendly's and Bennigan's. I remember IHOP was the place that all like the seniors would go after taking their like final exams or whatever. So I got to go. I got to be part of that cool cool group of of seventeen year olds going to IHOP. <laughs> 
I just went to IHOP when I was in California for a friend's wedding. It was like we had to go get breakfast before the wedding. And it was like literally the only place open is IHOP. Let's go. It was exactly as underwhelming as you think it would be. This one is a little bit different because it's the interdimensional. It's 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 not quite uh, the same. The, the the special effects I found um, discombobulating. I I did sure. not like having to look at the TV screen while they were sort of in this weird space. You know, Michael has told them that the judge's powers are limited in the IHOP, so he she can't just like instantly retire him while they're in the IHOP. So before the judge shows up, Jason has like this quick conversation with Janet where he says like, I know that we used to be married and I think I'm catching feelings for you. And you know, there's a, there's a (laughs) Justin Bieber song called catching feelings. So catching feelings. I love that song. Anyway, continue. (laughs) Okay. You're like, "Mm." so he's (laughs) not so much. And so, you know, Jason says like, you know, I know we, we know we're not married or anything, but like maybe you and I could kind of just go on a date, you know, just, you know, or maybe we could be like girlfriend, boyfriend, or whatever. And Janet's like, well, I'm not a girl, but I would like to go on a date with you. And it's very sweet. Yeah. I mean, I still like have no very... idea what she sees in him, but whatever. I mean, other than I the mean, cheekbones. I was going to say, uh, as Eleanor said, I get it. He's a, you know, straight hottie. Right. Also, he's very sweet. He's a sweet guy. He is. He just is so dumb. So Jen <laughs> shows up and she's like super mad about all the rules that you know that michael's broken he's like i'm done breaking rules and she's like i don't know it looks like you're carrying a book that you stole from the accounting office he's like from now on i'm done breaking rules tahani gets this weird slug on her that they don't ever explain they call it a need noggle which apparently is a reference to the like special effects guy on the good place like that's his david need noggle yeah they never really explain it though it's really weird so but and so we're still in this like trippy special effects world and finally the judge just kind of makes it look like an actual IHOP thank god because I really could not stare at like the purple old windows screensaver world anymore Jason thinks they're like they've they're on a bad ayahuasca trip (laughs) so Michael tells Jen like life is so complicated that it's impossible for any humans to get into the good place now because of all these unintended consequences and Jen's like your revelation is that life is complicated that's not a revelation that's a divorced woman's throw pillow which is yeah pretty good burn amazing i was like can i get a throw pillow that says that (laughs) oh now that's a great christmas present idea for me if i remember it (laughs) so michael tries to dance to um distract her and then he flosses chidi's like (laughs) Yeah, then Chidi's like, to quote Jean-Paul Sartre, I can't pronounce French names. And then Jason's like, no, 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 I want to talk. And Eleanor's like, boring. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Eleanor's like, uh, it's been nice knowing everyone. And yeah. <laughs> uh, I will see you all in the bad place. Uh, but then Jason's like, there was a guy on my 3,000 person dance crew <laughs> whose name was Big Noodle and I was always mad at him for being late but then it turned out that he was working three jobs and I was never mad at him for being late again because he was like just trying to survive or whatever and everyone's like oh that was actually a that was salient <laughs> that yeah, was they, weirdly they salient they always look on their face like did Jason just make sense and like make yeah. a good point <laughs> Right. And of course, and of course he does it in the most Jason way possible because he's saying this thing that is like actually very trenchant social commentary, but it's couched in like this like 
very Florida swamp person trash bag kind of way. <laughs> right. So because because Michael is showing Jen like, look, this person just tried to buy a tomato and they got negative points. And Jen's like, well, then do the research and buy like a better tomato. And Jason is pointing out like that this guy he knew who was just trying to get by like doesn't have time to research a tomato when he needs to buy a tomato. And also, yeah, doesn't have the time, doesn't have the means to like maybe go to i mean he makes the joke right this is what i'm talking about like he makes the joke that like non-fried vegetables are banned in jacksonville (laughs) um that's pretty good but like i think he also means like he doesn't have always the means to like go to a farmer's market that's like locally sourced and all that kind of stuff Sure, 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 sure sure sometimes you're going to like you know, I'm. This is very Philly of me, but like sometimes you gotta go to the Wawa and pick up a quart of milk, and you don't have time to be like, "Are is this cow treated well?" Like you're just like, "I have a right. two year old at home." Yeah, right. So Michael's like, "Look, Judge, I know that you don't like to spend time on Earth because you're trying to remain impartial, but like, can you just go down for a little bit and kind of see oh, what it's like?" Jason, Jason says, "You can't judge us because you don't know what we go through." Right. And so the judge says, okay, fine, fine. I'll go down on earth for a little while and fine. So she goes down and then she comes back like a immediately two seconds later, <laughs> two seconds later. And she goes, oh boy, that was rough. Earth is a mess, y'all. <laughs> I, that was like, I was watching this last night. Um, I had been out. I was kind of tired. I was like, I guess I got to like watch this show. So I'm just like taking notes. And she comes back. She's like, Earth is a who boy. Earth is a mess, y'all. And now I was just like, I laughed out loud, obnoxiously alone in my apartment. I was like, that's my 2019 mood so far. Earth is a mess, yeah. y'all. And she says, also, I guess I'm black, and they do not like black ladies down there. <laughs> Which, um, so Ian, one of our listeners, Ian, his wife is black, and he is Jewish. So, so they have a daughter who is the same as Maya Rudolph, right? That they, he called, he called it bluish, which I thought was hilarious, (laughs) right? That she is black on her mother's side and, and uh, Jewish on her dad's side, just like Maya Rudolph. And Ian pointed out that like, he's not sure that many people even know that Maya Rudolph is black, but Maya Rudolph is black. Everybody. Her mom was a very famous R&B singer, Minnie Ripperton, who unfortunately died very young. And that's a very sad story. That I don't want to get into right now because it's too sad. So, so Jen like says talks about how she went all over the world uh, to all these different countries and how it was like impossible to make good decisions. And Michael's like, even if you try to make good decisions, you know, you don't always know the unintended consequences. And Chidi's like, I tried obsessing over every decision and it still landed me in the good place. Bad place. And I'm, you know, I'm just, so I'm just another, I'm just another problem of here. And Jen's like, you are nobody's problem, sweetheart. And I was like, oh, Jen and I are on the same wavelength. <laughs> Cheaty, my TV husband. And yes. Eleanor's like, yeah, it's so hard. Like, there's a chicken sandwich that if you eat it, it means you hate gay people, but it's delicious. And Jen's like, it is delicious. <laughs> oh my God. Apparently Jen went to Chick-fil-A at some point during her uh, stay on Earth. Well, she had time so- to go to like eight countries. Oh, yeah, she was obviously down there for months, if not years. <laughs> so Jen brings Sean in, who's in the middle of torturing Shakespeare by telling him the plot of the Entourage movie, which oh, I Oh, my God. <laughs> this made I me laugh so hard. fully get it. Like, the Entourage isn't based on Shakespeare, right? <laughs> no, it's just terrible 
It's just terrible. Entourage yeah, but they is like could, the most vapid thing on planet Earth. I know, but he could have been telling him... Remember that Amanda Bynes movie where it's supposed to be like Twelfth Night or something? Oh, what a uh, what a girl wants. That's not maybe. Yeah, but where she's like dressed up as a boy to be on the basketball team or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, I felt like I'm they could have made it so this. that it... keep going. <laughs> okay, Bynes um, dresses up as a boy, <laughs> and Sean's like, "Ugh, what am I doing she's here?" She's the man. She's the man. She's the man. Thank you. Right? Wouldn't that have been anyway? So, so Jen and Sean and Michael and the humans are now in this conference room and Jen's like, look, Michael brought up this interesting point that like, it's almost impossible for humans to be good now. And Sean said, counterpoint, humans are terrible. Limp biscuit, slavery, the prosecution rests. And Jen's like, I love raises some good points. (laughs) And Michael's like, look, there are plenty of awful people. And I guess Nazis again, somehow. (laughs) That was amazing. But like... But there are plenty of people who are just trying to be good. And Sean's like, no, humans are bad. And Michael says, look, the four humans in the neighborhood, they got better. And and it's so interesting because this is a point that you and I have brought up so many times. You know, Eleanor basically... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so Eleanor says, like, you took away so many variables... Like, we didn't have to, like, figure out how to pay rent, which is something that you and I have said probably verbatim on this podcast, right? Yeah, especially when we talk about Jason and Eleanor. Yeah. Yeah, that they did not have to contend with the economic realities. They're in this post-scarcity society. Nobody says the words post-scarcity society in this episode, but that they're in this post-scarcity society in, in the afterlife, and therefore they can kind of focus more on ethics and morality. And there's also, I mean, and she points out too, like, there's no racism, there's no sexism, there's, like, everybody's kind of on a level playing field. So when you don't have things like money or disease or hunger or racism or sexism to contend with, yeah, you can focus more of your time on, like, just being a, you know, decent person and improving yourself because you're not always... Right, a neighborhood of 200 people or whatever is an extremely closed system and you really can know basically the effects that you're having on other people by all of your decisions. Yeah. Chidi wants to back her up and then he kind of gets shot through uh, like a portal and he's bouncing around the room and Eleanor's like, somebody catch my tiny boyfriend. And I was like, oh, boyfriend. Because <laughs> we didn't know that they were actually calling each other boyfriend, girlfriend. And I was like, Eleanor. And then <laughs> somebody catches him. I forget who. And he kind of staggers out of, you know, in, back into existence and was like, I saw a trillion realities all folded into one blade. And Michael's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The time knife. We've all seen it. Like, what was your point? And Chidi's like, moving on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then Chidi kind of reiterates, you know, the things that we just said and then says, you know, the the thing that we need to do is kind of do what Simone did with us, which is to try to repeat the experiment, like find. Shouts to Simone. I'm glad she's getting a little bit of, of uh, a callback. Love. In this episode. Yeah. Even though she's gone. Cause she's still alive. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, let, let's find more people and do another neighborhood experiment and see if they also improve in this new neighborhood. And it's like, well, where would we even do this? And Sean's like, you can't do it in the bad place again. And probably the good place doesn't want you to do it in the good place. And it's like, 
okay, and they show up at Mindy's house, and Eleanor's like, Mindy, we need to use your backyard. And Mindy's like, why? Wait, I don't care. I like She's like, as soon as I asked the question, I knew I didn't care about the answer. Just, like, leave me alone. And Derek, who is at Mindy's house, who we mentioned at the top of the episode, is all of a sudden quoting Edgar Allan Poe and in a tuxedo. And Mindy has been rebooting him just... Yeah. Mindy's been rebooting him just for the fun of it, which seems to have gotten him from a complete imbecile to only... He's only maybe 15% imbecile at this point. Because <laughs> at some point he does try to drink a martini glass that's entirely full of olives. Like, he's yes, not and later all on the way there a, yet. Later on he has a martini glass just with a full lemon in it that... Like, yes. skin and everything. <laughs> so in Mindy's house, Michael and Sean sit down with Jen and Jen's like, all right, here's the compromise. Michael, you get to build the new neighborhood... The bad place gets to pick the four humans, but they have to be the same level of badness as the original four. So, like, you know, no murderers, no boy band managers. <laughs> yes. And, the, and like, how are we going to get the other residents? And Janet's like, I can make people the way I made Derek, so I'll just make the other residents. And Jen's like, you've got a year to see, you know, if the humans improve. And I will be watching this one, like, a very closely, which is wise. And so then it's so great because Janet and Michael, you know, it it really made me think about the episode called Janet and Michael or maybe Michael me and Janet, too. you know, where Michael's like, the reason is friends, Janet, because they're like, so obviously like they're, they're like work BFFs and Michael's like, oh, I'm not sure what to do. And Janet's like, I have some ideas. And he's like, you have some ideas. She's like, I have like 11 trillion ideas. And like, here's the basics. So and she kind of just blinks something into existence. And Michael's like, yes. Right. Yeah, and it's a nice counterpoint to in Jen and Janet and Michael that episode where like you see them interacting for the first time trying to make a neighborhood and Michael thinks he has to kind of like shoulder everything himself and he starts freaking out and he's like, I don't know if this is gonna work and then Janet comes up with the idea for frozen yogurt and he's like, You're a yes. genius. <laughs> yes. We find out that Eleanor and Cheedy get to go back to their old house, which I was like, Ah like my Chelinor <laughs> feelings were just spilling out of me just like i i was like this is so beautiful <laughs> and you know and, and chidi's like why did you want like this recreation of this house that was designed to be everything you hate and she's like i don't know it's because we fell in love here this is the place i fell in love with you and then she's like i mean just kidding you're a nerd and and i hate this house and whatever you know she's kind of like kind of giving him a hard time and then She's like, look, we can just be a normal couple here. We can just kind of like hang out and eat breakfast. And then they both say something at the same time. But she says, study philosophy. And he says, have sex. And and he's like, nerd. And she's like, horn dog. And it was just the it's most adorable, beautiful moment. Oh, my God. I was like, this is the this is maybe peak Chelinor. And in fact, I'm kind of worried about where it goes from here. But maybe we can talk I have about that, that in later. the notes. Yeah, I have yeah. that in the notes. <laughs> In the discussion section. So Janet's making people for the neighborhood, but it's like really draining. So she'll like make a person. She'll be like, hi, I'm Janet. I made you. You live here now. And they're like, hi, thank you, Janet. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it's very cute. And she's kind of like uh, getting run down by this. So Derek is like, hey, I can also make people. Why don't I help you? And Janet's like, oh, thank you. And then Jason's like, "Mm," because this is obviously a way that Jason... Sorry, that Derek and Janet might become closer with each other. So Michael's in his office. He's sort of putting finishing touches on things. And then he gets a call from Sean 
who the caller ID says it's from Jen. So he picks up and then he's like, Sean's like, huh, you fell for it. And then he says, hey, uh, when your neighborhood fails, uh, the four humans are going to be taken to the bad place and tortured like your beloved humans for whom you are their demon daddy. We're going to take them to the bad place and we're going to torture them. And here's Vicky. And you see Ted Danson walk on screen. He's like, here's Vicky. We made we made a Michael suit for Vicky to wear. And so the humans will think that you are torturing them. And Michael's like, well, then I'll just tell them that that could be a thing. And Sean's like, no, no, no. We'll selectively wipe their memories. By the way, thanks for inventing the technology to selectively wipe their memories because we'll totally use it. And uh, have fun failing. Bye. You know. And then... Eleanor comes because the first human who I didn't recognize the actor, but he's just sort of looks like a sort of normal 40 something white dude is waiting in the, the, the waiting area where Eleanor used to wait after every reboot. And Eleanor goes to Michael's office to be like, okay, buddy, like you got this. Like, let's, let's get this show on the road. You know, we trust you. This is going to be great. Uh, you know, this, this guy's named John, he's about to wake up, let, let's go. And then Michael just starts to have a panic attack. He's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And you hear a knock on the door, like this guy has woken up and Eleanor is just like sort of crouched over Michael on the floor. And she's like looking at the door, like, what do I do now? And then like cut to black. That's the end of the episode. What'd you think? Yes. I tend not to prefer these super plotty episodes. The ones that are like very, this was very table setting, you know, the way that the, a lot of the first part of the, the third season was. So in that sense, I was like, well, this is not a show, this is not an episode I'm going to like come back and rewatch the way I come back and rewatch some of my favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. But I certainly like the direction that this is going. I love seeing Eleanor and Chidi back in their old house. I like the idea of like, okay, what happens if we try this again? You know, is it going to get better? Although... The episode next week is called Pandemonium. So I'm not great. Super <laughs> optimistic. Jeez, but like this Louise. is actually kind of yeah. This is actually kind of a reasonable thing for Jen to want to see, right? Like okay, maybe humans are better than the earth gives them a potential to be. And so and we have these four random quote-unquote bad people who you know, got a lot better when they were in the afterlife. And let's see if this happens again. It was a, it's a reasonable hypothesis to test. It's certainly reasonable that Michael is now super freaked out by the idea of being the face of the torture of his four best friends for all eternity. Yeah. I, I'm really, I just am really curious to know where they're going with this. Like, is it going to be the next episode? You know, it's the whole year's worth of the experiment and everything goes wrong. Is it just going to be kind of the beginning of the experiment? And then season four is going to be more of the experiment. Cause like, we know that they burn through plot at this incredible rate. And it's like, what are they yeah. doing? What are they, where are they going from here? Cause we think next season is going to be the last season. So I, yeah, I think so. So, you know, we we are allegedly heading towards some sort of conclusion and like, what is it going to be? I mean, ideally, you want it to be that basically every human who's in the bad place goes to the good place, right? Or so, every person who's in the bad place gets to, like, get a chance to, like, improve themselves, right? Because I think right. there are people, as we've discussed, there are people who genuinely belong in the bad place. <laughs> Like, that's, you know, that was Maya Rudolph's point. That was Judge Jen's point of, like, no dictators, no mur- no serial killers, and no boy band representatives, <laughs> managers. 
Yeah, I I am interested in where this is going, and I think it it follows if if the good place has a pattern, it's that it is constantly reinventing itself yes. and constantly resetting. I should say. And so this follows that pattern. It's like, okay, we're literally going to reset. We're going to reset the entire conceit of this show. And, you know, we're going to see if these four people are a fluke, like Sean believes, or if this is a true, you know, hypothesis that we have that people get better in this sort of post-scarcity mindset, which is definitely something we've talked about. And, but I'm not so sure it's going to, work out the way they think it is um but whether or not that so like the av club had something had like i have a a big quote from them that i thought was really interesting because it it kind of ties into our discussion from last week but i don't know if you want to start with that or if you want to start with uh I and i and i think i think that the av club is really barking up the wrong tree so i love the av club and i i always read their recaps but the av club is like very set on this idea that this whole thing is a red herring and i just don't believe that i i think mm. that i think that this is really the current standing hypothesis of sort of the the show runner and the show writers that there was a point system. It worked okay for however many hundreds of thousands of years, but now with globalization, it doesn't really work anymore, and something else has to be done. I really do think that that's the that's the notion that the good place, like the show, is going with. Mm-hmm. And the AV Club is like, it can't be that simple. It's wheels within wheels. I'm like, I'm not sure it's wheels within wheels, man. You know, but I, it's I something took it else. more as I took it more as like. They were kind of poking holes in it the same way that you were kind of last week of saying, well, it's not as simple as saying nobody's getting into the good place because of globalization, because, you know, there have always been societies where bad things have happened and good things have happened and you're not accounting for this and you're not accounting for that. So that's how I took it as they were sort of saying, like, it's not as simple as as, you know. as saying like well nobody nobody can get in with these sort of uh unintended consequences and that kind of stuff because of all the stuff we talked about last week but yeah it might be that they're like expecting but i think that's also part of the good place right is that like you're expecting one thing and then they like throw this other like crazy thing at you and you have to adjust really quickly I think they have simplified the problem that they are trying to exemplify. And yeah. I'm, I guess I'm just okay with that. And and the, okay. and the guy at the AV club is taking that as like, well, then it can't be the true problem. And I'm taking it as like, yeah, they really made it almost a caricature of itself in terms of what the problem is. But also let's just take for granted at this juncture that that is actually what the problem is. And that's what we're trying to address here. Because I don't think, I don't think assuming that like, Oh, but the real problem is that blah, blah, the accountants something or, you know, like what, what, what do we think the real problem is? If it's not that life is complicated, throw a pillow, (laughs) throw a pillow. (laughs) So good. Um, that's up there with who, what, where, when, wine, the shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I also don't think it's going to work out the way they think it is because of Chelinor, question mark? So, so here's a couple things. Like, first of all, why in the name of all things holy are they letting the original four humans live in the experimental neighborhood? 
Great question. Like, like I don't know where Arsenal are going to go, but I don't know why they would do that. They need to make a different, just like put them in a walled off part of the medium place, right? Just keep them in stasis, basically, while yeah. this goes on. Because you can't let them be in the neighborhood. It's going to contaminate the experiment. The whole experiment well, is like, was... are these are these humans going to individually, or I guess uh, as a group, come to the conclusion that they need to become better people. But with Eleanor and Chidi and Tahani and Jason there, who all have a vested interest in them becoming better people, like, it's not really an experiment anymore. And also, doesn't Eleanor say towards the end that, oh, you have to tell me who's coming so I can give everybody a heads up? I couldn't quite Something tell like from... That. yeah. I couldn't quite tell from her line reading or the line itself whether or not everybody is the soul squad or everybody is each of the individual people that she's like, Hey, just to let you know, like, this is the deal. Like I, the new people, I mean, I think I she probably that she meant, meant, she wants to tell the soul squad, like, Oh, this is the new resident. This is what they're like. This is, you know, they're, but to your point, or whatever. that's an issue, right? Because if they're taking yeah, it's him, a huge issue. If they're Sean's, taking him, Sean to, should have absolutely put his foot down, right? Sean yeah. should have been like, you can't have these people who know that the experiment is see if humans can get better and are humans who got better, like living in the neighborhood with the humans who have to get better. It's absurd. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't make they any sense. A, they have a vested interest because the one thing, and maybe you mentioned this before, but like one of the things that Jen says about like the, you know, when Michael is saying to Jen, like go to earth. And if you don't believe us, then like you can kill the four humans for real. They'll go to the bad place and you can retire me and marbleize Janet. And she's like, all right, she's pretty cocky. She takes, you know, him up on it and she goes to earth and she comes back and she's like, earth is a mess y'all. But the stakes are very high for, you know, the four humans and for Michael and for Janet. So for them to be involved, I wonder if it's basically going to be like, a, an even worse version of like remember at the beginning of season two when michael was yeah, like when michael so, couldn't stop meddling he was like so up on like in on everybody's like you know jock about like everything going well <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah so i was, a, a, I was trying a, to find a, a more delicate way to say that and i just couldn't and i was like i'm gonna roll with it so like it, you could like imagine. a friend of mine who was watching the season for the first time was texting me like why doesn't Michael just like ease up and I was like well yeah, you he... should listen to our podcast episode about that because that was our question too like why can't he just chill out and let the humans torture themselves the way they're supposed to that's the whole point well and now it's it's the opposite of that right it's the humans are not supposed to torture each other like they're supposed to they're supposed to get better. And if you have, you know, two ethereal beings and four former humans whose fates are all and, oh, and still honestly, humans. Don't 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 denigrate Eleanor and the rest oh, okay. of them. Still I'm humans. so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're like but they're not alive. They're spirits of people or whatever. But you know, <laughs> you have these six whose like individual beings are riding on this and then on top of it you have like the fate of humanity right jen basically says one way yes. or another it, it this is gonna end this ends right yes so like it might end with 
Michael and Janet and everybody and Eleanor being able to save everybody, but it might end with like you guys just getting retired and like that's the end. I don't think that's going to be the end, but that's part uh, of what I Michael sure no, I don't think so. I don't but think Michael sure does that ending. Yeah. And you know having Sean's plan to basically be like if you mess up like, you are essentially going to be torturing, not you, you, but, like, the humans are going to think it's you, and that's going to make it a billion times worse, was really diabolical. Like, the first diabolical thing that <laughs> hasn't been funny that I've heard, you know what I, because the, the whole, yes. they have that whole conversation about, like, penis bees. I can't believe I just said that out loud. But, like, <laughs> they have that whole conversation about, like, how to torture the humans and, like, bees with teeth and all that kind of stuff. And it's all the stuff you've, like, butthole spiders and all the things we've heard before that you're like, oh, that's comically terrible. But this is, like, you could imagine the four humans believing that this, you know, demon has been reformed and is on their side. And could you imagine what it is like to have somebody you loved and trust trusted torture you every single day for eternity? That sounds awful. Mm. Yeah. So No. Unspeakable. So, yeah. Yeah, and so Michael basically freaks out because he can't bring himself to tell Eleanor that, right? Because, you know, what's it going to do? Because what's, what's, what good is it, yeah, to tell right. her? There's no good so in telling her. he's freaking, so he's like on the floor, right? He's freaking out at the end of the episode, and then... It's like the time he had yeah. his existential crisis. It is. There would be no me? Um <laughs> Yeah, so he's on the floor, and then so I, I could even I could even see that as like part of the next week's like pandemonium, right? Is like, do they have to weekend at Bernie's him through this like <laughs> opening day? <laughs> but also, like, what is the actual? So, are they going back to the notion of these people know that they shouldn't have gotten into the good place. So they're going to pretend to be another person and secretly improve themselves on the side. Or is it going to be like, Hey, this is the good place. Everybody gets into the good place. Like welcome. And then they feel like they don't have to improve themselves. Well, like that's, that's kind of a open, catch 22. That's an open question because when Michael is reading John's file, he basically says, like, well, I have to be prepared for any scenario. Like, does he feel like he belongs here? Does he feel like he doesn't belong here? Like, does he feel like, you know, is he going to think that, like, he should have gone somewhere else? Or, like, blow? So he's kind of freaking out. So it doesn't seem to me like they have, okay, this is this person's torture is to think because the whole setup of the initial gambit was I'm going to torture this person, this really bad person by telling her she's in the, the good place when she really knows that she belongs in at least a medium place, if not the bad place. And so she is and, and we'll be, specifically make it clear to her that we've mixed her up with another person. Right. And so part of the torture is like, she feels internally tortured because she doesn't belong, but because you've, nixed this idea of torturing people and are just looking at can these people improve i mean that was judge jen's point about the the experiment working the first time around the moral desserts thing right like you had an incentive to get better because you didn't want to go to the bad place you figured out it was the bad place and so you were like oh maybe if i'm like get really good at ethics then i'll i'll be led into the good place these people are not that in the good place and not in the season- bad place but that was more their season two arc, right? Their season one arc, they believed they were in the good place until the very end. 
That's true. But even in season one, she was like, oh, I have to earn my place here, right? I have to get really good at ethics because I need to convince people that I'm supposed to be here and I need to earn my place here. Whereas in this situation, they're neither in the good nor the bad place. They're in a medium place. They are not being tortured. So they don't have this like sort of secretive like, oh, you're supposed to be in you know, there was a mix up and you really belong in the bad place, but maybe you can save yourself if you stick around. There's not any of that. So I'm sort of interested in like, are people who believe that they are genuinely good and who Well, Tahani and Chidi believed that they were genuinely good, right? And that's true. They arguably also got better. But I would say but more of their character development happened i would say in season two when they knew yes what the secret was and they knew why they had been sent to the bad place you know tahani's whole thing about like confronting her parents doesn't happen until she's gone through like this bigger transformation of like oh even the beginning of season two she goes this is a mistake i shouldn't be here and Mm. She's not owning up to like she knows that she's in the bad place, but she's not recognizing it in herself. And she has to go on this like season long arc of a journey to come to a place where she goes like, well, I don't care what you think of me and I'm going to be, you know, my own person and I'm going to I have friends now who treat me well. But that took her understanding that she was in the bad place for a particular reason and oh this is what i need to work on in order to get better because well, she what if thought- michael came clean and said you're in a medium place and this is sort of like a purgatory you know for you to get I me mean, or but that i'm sure that would be considered tainting the experiment i was gonna say that wouldn't be the same thing unless unless they really are gonna be tortured but it doesn't it wouldn't make as much sense this time because that's not the it's, goal. Yeah. That's that's not really the goal, right? So I'm a little... I mean, I'm excited to see what happens, but I'm a little uh, confused. I, I'm about, trepidatious, certainly. Yeah. Let's... Uh, yeah, for sure. And I also think the reason I mentioned Chelinor at the beginning was like, I'm a little hesitant if, you know, her whole thing about like, we just get to be a normal couple who like wakes up together yeah. and has breakfast. I was like, mmm... You know, there it's it's really really easy to have, especially when you have like the uh, the beginnings of the relationship that they did, that it was like very very high stakes and their love is like moving the universe or whatever. To be a normal couple and just like be around each other all the time and have nothing else to do and just like eat breakfast every day. I mean, when they were living together as a couple, as a fake couple at the beginning. Now, granted, there were all kinds of other secrets and lies, but like Eleanor doesn't do the dishes. She doesn't do her laundry. She wants to watch like <laughs> trashy TV. I mean, I think I think Chidi would be more accommodating now or like less passive aggressive about it. But like I could see that there is also like, OK, once we have reached this point where we we improve each other, we also annoy each other a lot. So like, what does that do? Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, Given that Michael is no longer trying to torture them, you hope that nobody has to do laundry, right? Like I, a oh lot God, of this domestic, a lot of this domestic squabbly stuff should just be completely off the table because it's not secretly torture for them. They should be able to just blink their clothes clean or whatever. It should be just like heaven for them. It, you know, Michael right. should have set it up so that it is just like heaven. On the other hand, yeah, they do annoy each other. 
I mean, and that's not. But they, that's but they not, also I'm not knocking the two of them. Every two people who are in the same house together for you know an extended period of time, possibly eternity, wouldn't annoy each other. That's part of the reason why yes. we taught when we talked about the episode with my man Doug Forsett. Like, there's a reason he lives alone. <laughs> Right. Yes. There's probably more than one, but that's one of them. Right. Is that you? If you have a fight with somebody, then doesn't that knock points off? So yeah, I certainly I'm nervous. I I do. You know, they spent a lot of time in the last episode, the four Oreos from Heaven episode. They spent a lot of time establishing that Chidi really, really loves Eleanor, and it really understands her particular set of flaws and is okay with them. So I want to believe that that was not all misdirection leading towards them sort of blowing up spectacularly. No, I mean, I I wouldn't even say that. I am nervous about it. I'm nervous about it. I'll say that. I'm nervous about it. I mean, I wouldn't. I Yeah, I don't think that they're going to blow up spectacularly. But if you're setting up the theme of in this neighborhood, can we improve each other by helping each other? Can we also, could we also potentially through their relationship being exploring the theme of in this neighborhood when we are all together and we are just trying to be normal people, like being in a regular relationship, that's not always, we're not always going to be helpful to each other. We're sometimes we're going to get on each other's nerves. And what does that mean? Does that mean that we're bad people or does that mean that we're just people who sometimes Mm. have complicated feelings? I think, yeah. I think that their past incarnations where they have had feelings for each other is pretty good evidence that they can kind of live together as a couple in one shape, form, or fashion or another. But you raise a good point, which is that, you know, they, you know, it's like, um, it's like the movie Speed, right? You remember? Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh my god! Sorry. Uh, by I the love, way, I love that movie. I love I love, I love Speed Two as I, I don't love Speed Two. I love Speed T O O. I also love Speed. Yes. yes. <laughs> Jesus. But they make. <laughs> they make. I just get so excited when we talk about Keanu Reeves because I love him so much, and I watch the John Wick Three trailer and I'm like. Oh my god, what's happening? And Zooks is in John Wick 3. Anyway, it's a whole thing. Anyway. Wow. So, you know, they (laughs) they specifically say in... Yeah, no. They specifically say in Speed how, like, relationships forged in extreme circumstances don't last. Yes. And they kind of are, like, self-referential or meta about it because then, you know, we do see Sandra Bullock and um, John Wick uh, get together at the (laughs) end. (laughs) But... It that is, man you know, is like does... 55 years old and still, <laughs> I'm sorry, I love Keanu, I'll shut up about him. Okay, so yeah. it does, it does, you know, it does make me nervous that like they've been on the run for yes. such a long time and, and all of the times that they have really expressed their feelings for each other have been in extremis and they finally are just supposed to have like a year of just sitting in a house and reading books and making out which to me sounds like literal heaven sure uh especially especially if it's cheaty on the other end of that yes in a mailman but, costume i mean the mailman thing doesn't do it for me but uh the glasses do yeah and the sweater vests do but 
but you can see how like without the rhythm of a regular life how things might get very weird very quickly you know nobody has to go to work or pick up groceries or get the kids or whatever like it's just the sort of <laughs> blankness of eternity yeah. And, but on the other hand, they are going to feel like they have a job. And their job is to make sure that these four new humans don't fork everything up. Well, but that also adds an element of stress to their relationship. Because if that doesn't work, the two of them will be tortured in eternity. And I assume so that like, Chidi is going to have to be acting as an ethics professor again, right? Because the the probability that the bad place chose of their four new humans, one of them as an ethics professor, I think is basically zero. Well, so also will Chidi be comfortable like hiding the reality of this experiment from the four humans? Like he wasn't always comfortable hiding, you know, like he he can't lie. Yeah. He won't lie. In fact, because he's a Kantian. Right. I don't know. I guess we're going to find out next week in the episode entitled Pandemonium. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, whew. Okay, let's let's wrap this up with you uh, dictating the Tumblr post that Kate sent to you. (laughs) Yes. So, uh, Kate, shouts to Kate, my dear friend Kate, um, just texted me a a screen cap of a Tumblr post. (laughs) So this is where we're at in life. And the first person, the fir- there are three users. The first user says, why are Jason's only solutions for any problem either, quote, Molotov cocktail or, quote, marriage? The second user, whose username is NB Janet, which I'm assuming means non-binary Janet. Yeah, that's what I think. Says, most people, quote, fight or flight. Jason Mendoza, quote, fight or fork. We're saying fork. <laughs> fight or fork. And then the third user says... He's got the face of a Greek god and the problem-solving abilities of one, too. <laughs> <laughs> that is extremely true. <laughs> yeah, he is. Jason Mendoza is basically Zeus, the human incarnation of Zeus. And he was making a lot of sense in this episode. I liked his. I liked what he said a lot about his buddy Big Noodle. Yeah, I mean, and and that's a real... And that's, again, that's something we've talked about, right? That, like, yeah. people who are living hand-to-mouth don't necessarily have time to you know go volunteer 40 hours a week or you know change the hearts and minds of a nation or whatever yeah or choose a tomato (laughs) that doesn't cause like all kinds of other problems right so uh so next week is the season finale pandemonium get ready guys very buckle very nervous about (laughs) Yeah. I don't know who's writing this. Let's find out who wrote it, if it's Megan Amram or if it's one of our other f- favorite writers. I mean, they're all our favorite writers because the show is great consistently. Wikipedia is not telling me who wrote Pandemonium. Mm. We'll find out next Let week. Me see. Let me see if IMDb. Oh, well, I'm not sure, actually. IMDb claims that Mike Schur actually wrote it. I actually wouldn't be surprised. He's written some of the other episodes, too. But it's not clear to me. It may have been that IMDb just filled Mike Schur in because it didn't have any other data, but it's going to be really interesting if Mike Schur actually wrote the episode. Yeah. After Pandemonium airs, we uh, are going to transition to other topics, sort of random topics that catch our fancy. We are open to being told what you guys want to hear, certainly. 
Yeah. This is probably a discussion we should have off air, but (laughs) I think we can keep going on basically a weekly schedule, but we can be easy on ourselves if we want to take a week off is my sort of way of looking at it. Yeah. Does that? Yeah. We'll we'll talk about it. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, everyone, it's going to be a nail biter next week. I can sense it because it's called pandemonium. And then and, we've got to wait another, every, like, nine months for anything to come yes, back, and I'm just well, going to drown myself. Part. I mean, I think it's it's going to be, like, eight months, I think. Literally, it's going to be eight months before we get the season four opener. So that's crazy. That's a crazy amount of time to wait for something that is 100% going to be a cliffhanger. Right? I mean, can't we just Jeremy bear me time and get to it, like, in two <laughs> weeks? Because I'm not interested in waiting eight months to see what happens. Maybe we should just, like start like uh you know maybe just start a campaign where we just tweet at mike sure like 70 times a day hey mike hey mike hey mike he's hey, got mike. he's got other things to do i think he's he's Does he? running yeah he's running brooklyn 99 and he's starting another show for nbc pretty soon so oh what's that uh abby's it's called abby's natalie morales who was on uh, parks and rec potential series uh, is set at an unlicensed bar in San Diego. So it's kind of like, I guess, Cheers? Hmm. Well, he's come full circle then, hasn't he? I was going to say, Morales will play Abby, a warm but no-nonsense former Army, sta- Army staff sergeant who completely who completed two tours of duty in Afghanistan. She now spends her time fostering Bonami in her open-air backyard bar, which she is told by her new landlord is illegal. I Okay. Yeah, we're, so we'll see with that one. But he's... Yeah. I guess exec producing that or something. Okay. Yeah. So we'll see everybody next week for pandemonium. Buckle up. Yes. Until then, uh, you know, get yourself a pithy throat pillow. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Ding dongs. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. And while Marissa looks that up, if anybody wants to talk to me about John Wick, the John Wick series, I've never seen it, but I know a weird amount about it because I love Keanu. So if you want to talk about it, get at me.